The football world is full of superstars. Players blessed with a sparkling array of skills designed to overcome anything the game throws at them. It's only on a Tuesday night, though, cold, rainy, with a vicious, swirling wind, that a player can truly separate themselves from the pack. Very few have been able to master such an occasion, but they are out there, stalwarts of the game who thrive with a face full of mud, blinded by horizontal rain yet still ruthlessly effective. Here on the 11, we salute these players. Welcome to the show. Ben, how are you? I am good, Arthur. I can't wait to run through this. The wet and windy Tuesday night 11. Yes, it's another of our themed football 11s, packed full of wit and nostalgia and some fairly flaky football knowledge. Um, It's great to be here. Um, I, myself, can't stand wind, rain, snow. So I certainly wouldn't be putting my fo- myself forward for this one in the same way I did for the Worldies 11, Arthur. That's certainly why we're picking these players to do the job for us. And I think they're certainly honed in these, in these conditions. I think, I think when selecting this 11, it was difficult to avoid Stoke players. And I think yeah. the reason for that is the quote stems from, can they do it on a wet and windy night in Stoke? But I think here we're talking about we're talking about Tuesday night in horrific conditions anywhere. It doesn't it doesn't need to be in Stoke on Trent. It has rained even in Spain, Arthur. It falls mainly on the plain, but it has rained in Spain. So it, it's not all about the Stoke players for this particular eleven. I think the problem is that that side under Tony Pulis, it just embodied this very English kind of grit, determination, ugly football, header pinball. Uh, It was very much the wet and windy style of play. Um, But as we'll discover on this podcast, there were several players from alternative clubs that um, would have fit very well in that Tony Pulis side. So, like all good sides lining up on a Tuesday night in the mud, um, it's a 4-4-2 this week. Um, And the player that we're going to debate around a little later in the show is a centre midfielder. But first up, here's the goalkeeper. And Arthur, you've taken this one on. I have indeed. I've chosen a goalkeeper who prepares for the conditions that a Tuesday night, wet and windy and rainy, will throw at you. Right. Okay. So I've decided to go with Gabor Kirai. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. The jogger goalkeeper, of course. Of course, known for his iconic grey tracksuit bottoms. He spent much of his career in German football. He played for 1860 Munich and Hertha Berlin. And, and he, he made over 100 appearances for Hungary. Um, it actually surprised me to learn that he's only played 37 Premier League games. Um, it I is think surprising. He spent much of his much of his career in England in the in the Championship with Crystal Palace, and and I think Gabor Kirai reminds me of your mate who dons the goalie gloves down in the park on a Sunday. He's, yeah, the the tracksuit bottoms look. I mean, frankly, <laughs> and I and I, I I had to look up some justification for the decision that he he made, and and frankly, I think what we want from this eleven is functionality. Get, get, getting down to work and just and just doing your job and 
For me, Gabble himself justifies his, his wearing of tracksuit bottoms with the following yes. quote. He says, I'm a goalie, not a top model. It's essentially a question of comfort. I've played on clay or grass that's been frozen in winter. It makes, you, <laughs> it makes your legs hurt when you dive. <laughs> and, then he, 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 and, he, and he goes on to say, I always take a size above to facilitate movement. I tried shorts. <laughs> I tried shorts during my spells in Germany and England, but it didn't suit me. The end result is more important than how you look. And maybe so, he had really knobbly knees that he didn't maybe, want people to see. Maybe he did. I just, I just think it's this functionality and no-nonsense outlook on life that makes him perfect for this team. Absolutely. I mean, I've seen him play live several times, Gabal Karai, and I must admit, he never really filled me with confidence, but he just had this incredible knack of getting in the way of things. It almost like he wasn't saving it. He was just sort of putting himself in harm's way. Uh, and I, I agree with you that that functionality would be a great fit for our goalkeeper in the, the wet and windy 11. I'm going to uh, take up the left back position. And of course, um, if you ever have any uh, footballers that you think of that would go well in our 11s, please do get in touch at 11pod on Twitter uh, is where you'll find us. Okay. Left back, Arthur. Lee Naylor. Oh, I mean, a classic. A classic player. A classic sort of British player that you might have forgotten about had you not have listened to this podcast. Um, but sure enough, he was one of the more solid fullbacks in the early noughties of the Premier League era. Um, he played in the iconic Wolves team of 2003. You'll probably remember it, Arthur, because of greats of the game like Gavin Ray and Christian Nade. Um, but he was one to crunch into challenges with real guile too. Um, and during his spell with Celtic, um, I, I found this quote. He said, I used to have a bit of a, a, bit of a thing with Hutton, Alan Hutton, that is, and also with Charlie Adams. Charlie Adam gave me a four centimetre gash on my foot. I wanted him so bad after that. I wanted to get him in a game. I was never nasty, but I always wanted the ball to come at the right time so I could smash him. And it's that kind of attitude that I think we need in the fullback position. I don't think this wet and windy 11 is about marauding forward. I think it's about solid, um, a little bit of friendly rivalry in there, a bit of aggression. And I think Lee Naylor is the perfect pick. I think that's a very good shout, Ben. It's the, it's the aggression that I think is key and the, the fact that he doesn't seem like the player who would let this, this weather get to him. It's just, no. it's just a job. It's just a job. Completely agree. So moving on to centre-back, I have the honour today of picking the partnership in centre-back. And I've decided to, to go for... An iconic Middlesbrough player in Emmanuel Pogatetz. Oh, yes. <laughs> Austrian, wasn't he? He was an Austrian. Uh, actually, still is. Actually, funny enough, in my research, there, uh, there, were, there were quite a few Austrians who tempted me. And Emmanuel was just one of them. And he's actually the only Austrian I've chosen. But maybe, maybe we'll hear more about the, uh, the other Austrians on the bench today. Wow. But Emmanuel himself, he was... He was a functional, no-nonsense playing style, got-the-job-done sort of centre-back. He's got that aggression that you were talking about. He was nicknamed Mad Dog. 
uh, and he's six foot three, so he's got some height, which I think is important to to deal with with what would be in these conditions an inevitable Sam Allardyce style aerial onslaught. He's tall, he's strong, he's an Austrian international, as you said. He spent five seasons with Middlesbrough and helped them reach the UEFA Cup final. So he's he's not a player who is averse to a big occasion. And he just strikes me as someone who's who's very, very much willing to put his body on the line for the cause. And I think in our centre-backs, that's absolutely required. And when considering the partnership between these centre-backs, I, I thought we needed someone who is experienced in these wet and windy conditions, experienced in a Stoke-style team. Mm. And... As much as I wanted to look beyond him, because he's the obvious, I couldn't look beyond an iconic Stoke player himself, Ryan Shawcross. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say, I think there's a point in time where you just have to go for a Tony Pulis Stoke player, and this is it. He's a defensive powerhouse. He was the linchpin of that Tony Pulis Stoke era team. How do you see him linking up with Pogatets? Because obviously... Uh, he's likely to get a lot of the ball in the air, um, but they will need to start attacks too. Well, I think in in keeping with the fact that you're you're making your your left and right backs rather immobile, I don't think we need to have a mobile defence. I think no. I think they're just going to be a unit. <laughs> it's just our... going to be a wall. It's uh, going to be a wall that's just simply impenetrable. Yeah, and, we're, and we're so gonna... far it is. Exactly. I think we're going to be very happy to grind out one nil victories uh, where, we've yeah. been, where we've been under the cosh for much of the game and then we actually we, we just about managed to sneak a goal with uh, the strikers that we will go on to discuss yeah I agree I, th- I feel like the entertainment factor in this defense comes from Kurai um, and his strong views about joggers I, I feel like the defense itself is firm and and I'd say that the right back position um, continues that trend Arthur um, I've gone for Peter Ramage. Now, I don't have, I don't have anything against Peter Ramage, um, but for me, he's sort of redefined the the boring footballer. He's just, it's just not a very exciting thought, is it? Having Peter Ramage starting in your team, um, forget boring James Milner. Um, but he did actually have some success um, towards the end of his career, Peter Ramage, where he got. a really decent spell in the team uh, when he went out on loan to Crystal Palace uh, and he was playing more as a centre-back there which may actually have been his ideal position but when he was coming through at at Newcastle and playing a bit of QPR he was a right back and I kind of liked the idea that we had almost a natural centre-back playing at right back again just kind of contributing to this effect of of the wall, the defensive wall, the physicality of our side. Um, And so I felt Ramage would be a good fit. I think it sounds like Peter Ramage would be the sort of player who, who would, would have no qualms with putting the ball out into Rose Ed. And I don't think you, I don't think, I noticed we haven't got any ball playing center backs or or wing back type left back, right backs. I think that's key because we don't want them trying to be clever in the defence. No. We want them just getting rid of the ball, being very functional, being very efficient, and we don't want them messing around. I think Peter Ramage fits into that profile very well. And I think the other important consideration is obviously on a wet and windy night, 
Um, I know the fashion these days is to have kind of fairly long hair swept back, uh, maybe in a ponytail. You know, across our back five, we actually have very little hair, which I think can only work in our favour. And I think going forward as well, I, I have to say for centre-back, I, I did actually, and this would have been way too high profile a player for a team such as this, but I did consider John Terry simply because of his goal scoring prowess. Mm. He's, he's a massive threat at corners. And I think what we do have, certainly in our centre-backs, is we have some aerial threat from this team in windy conditions. Uh, the balls <laughs> sprayed into the box will be, uh, will be certainly, certainly tough yeah. to deal with. It's going to be terrifying for the opposition when they see Pogatets and Ramage come up, isn't it? <laughs> for set pieces. They are going to be absolutely crying. They absolutely are. Free kick. Downing takes it. Attack down. It's shot. He's it against him. Savard's gone in. Oh, the Lionsman spots it. It's a goal for the Borough. Oh. And would you believe it? It's Emmanuel Pogatets. Well, I think we'll call it half-time from our wet and windy um, 11. And Arthur, you've prepared um, a small game for us today, haven't you? Which is, is pretty exciting. I have indeed, Ben. I've prepared us a little game of Premier League higher or lower, which, of course, you can play along with at home. And please do let us know how you get on at 11pod on Twitter. Great. I can't wait for this. So without further ado, Ben... Starting on the number 150, the most assists in the Premier League. Is that Ooh. higher or lower? Higher. That is correct. Do you have any idea who it is? Kevin De Bruyne? No, it's not yet. Mm. He's, he's obviously been on fire in the last couple of seasons, but he's got a little way to go to, to break Ryan Giggs's record. Really? Okay, Giggs. Giggs at 162. Mm. And second question... Hugo Rodriguez's Premier League appearance tally. Oh, well, he had spells at, at Wigan, Fulham. I'll go higher. It's just lower, I'm afraid. Ah. 154 appearances in the Premier League. Damn. Most Premier League clean sheets? Higher. That's correct. Any ideas who it is? Peter Schmeichel. You've got the correct first name, almost. It's Petr Cech. Oh, is it Petr Cech? Damn. Indeed. It's 202 Premier League clean sheets, which frankly is pretty phenomenal. So that con- is phenomenal. Congratulations, Petr. Moving on to the fourth question. Higher or lower than 202, the yeah. red cards shown by Mike Dean in the Premier League? Lower. That's correct. It's significantly lower, albeit he's... He's quite some way ahead of second position. He's, he's shown 111 red cards in his, in his career. Blimey. So moving on, the penultimate question is Thomas Hitzelsberger's Premier League appearances. Higher. Correct. Yes. 117. Obviously had spells with Villa. And West then Ham towards, as well. Towards the end of his career, they were quite niche spells with, with West Ham and Everton as well. Oh, I don't remember the Everton one. I think, he, I think he made one or two appearances, so it was very, oh, wow. very limited. Okay. Your final question is Stoke City's all-time Premier League wins. Is it lower or higher than 117? Lower. Correct. Finishes yeah. off with a correct answer. It's 116. Oh, man. A difficult question, though. Not easy. And you, you thrived in it. Well done, Ben. Thank you, Arthur. So please let us know how you got on at home at 11pod 
and we're going to move on to our midfield. Pathetic, absolutely pathetic referee. Not only is he having a laugh, he's having a joke as well. Absolutely, and it's a 4-4-2 today for the wet and windy 11. So I think we probably better look at the left side of the midfield, and that's you, Arthur. That is indeed. I've decided that I think we need a bit of a spark of creativity to to give us some sort of goal-scoring threat. So I've gone with Yuri Djorkaev. Oh, interesting. And the reason for that is he's a touch of class. He's got 82 international caps for France. He's obviously experienced with numerous clubs in Europe, but then he, he got his experience of the Premier League with Allardyce's Bolton. It was a crazy signing. I remember at the time... Um, Yuri Djorkaev playing in the Premier League alongside JJ Okocha. Who'd have thought that would be under Allardyce? Exactly. He had a he had a sort of a team of mini Galacticos. It was it was yeah. very interesting to see. And of course, Fernando Hierro as well at centre back. And Ivan Campo. Of course, of course. So I I think Yuri's going to give us a little bit of creativity on the wing, which I think we're we're lacking in our in our very functional defence. So while he might not link up absolutely fantastically with our left back, who I Lee Naylor, Lee Naylor, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think he's going to be a useful presence on the left midfield for our team. Yeah, I can really see that Lee Naylor overlapping Yuri Djorkaev at pace here on a wet and windy Tuesday night. But hey. Um, Yuri Djorkaev, an interesting shout, Arthur. I, I'm, I'm quite surprised by that one, but I'm never going to turn down an iconic French winger from the 98 World Cup. So um, you go for it. You own it. Thank you. Centre midfield. Now, we've already had one Stoke City player, Arthur, but as we said at the start of this show, that side really did embody what it is to play on a wet and windy Tuesday night. And I think there is one obvious pick that we have to have in this team somewhere. And it's Rory Delap. Of course. I mean, the ultimate utility player, not only being able to play in multiple positions, but also in the sense that probably his main attribute was actually nothing to do with his feet, which seems to be a bit of a rarity in the game these days. Um, but of course, he was known for his incredibly long throw, um, which was a weapon. And in fact, Stoke City um, managed to score 24 goals from throw-in situations whilst Delap was at the club. Now, that is almost a better ratio, if not is a better ratio, than most teams have for corners during that period of time. So it just shows you what an unbelievable asset Rory Delap was. That's extraordinary. I, I can't help but think what Tony Pulis could have done with Liverpool's throw-in coach at the club. Uh, unbelievable. And I, I was going to talk about him, Thomas Grunemark. Um, he's, a, he's a Danish man uh, and he holds the record for the longest throw-in, which went a total of 51.33 metres. And since setting that, is- that record... He's been approached by a number of um, top teams, including Liverpool, to become their throw-in coach. 
Like, can you believe that top teams have a throw-in coach? The thing is, I would laugh it out the room were it not for the fact that I think the stats support the fact that he, he genuinely is making a difference. So I think Roy Delap is an unavoidable pick for this team. His throw-ins would cause carnage at any opportunity when we're, we're around the opposition's box. And, and Peter Ramage, of course, is a, is a huge threat from those situations. <laughs> Most definitely. Now, we're moving to the right side of the midfield. And I felt like we needed someone who had a certain degree of kind of grit and determination. Um, not a sexy player by any means, um, but, but someone who could most definitely do a job on the right-hand side. And I've picked that player, and I'm afraid, Arthur, it's another Stoke player. It's Jonathan Walters. I mean, how could Jonathan Walters not make the wet and windy Tuesday night 11? Um, an industrious winger with no real flair, just hard work and determination. I felt in some ways he was almost too tall to be a winger when I saw him in person. He was more of a kind of striker that had been converted. And I know that was something that Pulis used to do quite a lot at that time. He'd play Dave Kitson out wide or, um, here's a blast from the past, Richard Cresswell. Um, yeah. Certainly when they got promoted, he used to play out wide for them sometimes. But the reason I had to go for Walters was his career path. And when I read these, this list of teams out to you, I'm pretty sure you'll, this will resonate the wet and windy 11. So he started at Blackburn, Bolton, Hull, Crewe, Barnsley, Scunthorpe, Wrexham, Chester, Ipswich, Stoke, Burnley. Now, can you get any more miserable in terms of a list of clubs that you've played for during your career? I mean, I've absolutely nothing against the man, but that has got to be one of the most dull and functional lists you've ever known. That's such a good, that's such a good CV worth of clubs. I mean, when Tony Pulis came knocking at his door, I mean, I can see, I can see why. I really yeah. can. What a man, what a man. And I think probably the highlight of Jonathan Walters' career, and, and perhaps this is a bit unfair because he did actually make some significant contributions that kept Stoke in the league and will no doubt keep our wet and windy Tuesday night team going, um, was in 2013 in a match against Chelsea. I don't know whether you remember this, where he scored two own goals and missed a penalty in their defeat. Um, and what was fantastic, they were two really good headers. Like they weren't even sort of fluky own goals. He basically just tried to head the ball back to the keeper twice and absolutely flung himself at it. Was was that a game at Stoke or at Chelsea? Oh, that's a good question. I think it was at Chelsea. But so I was wondering whether the, the the windy conditions had got the better of him, and and that could mean he'd he'd struggle in this team. I think it was at Chelsea because I think if I'd have found that out after, that's exactly the sort of thing that would have prevented him from getting in our yeah. windy eleven. Well, he's proved himself over a number of years at Stoke. So I think he's a, he's a fantastic shout for this team and, and absolutely a goal-scoring threat. He did the business for Tony Pulis on a number of occasions. Right into the mix, it has done! Sidney got up and scores! What looks like being the winner for Stoke City right at the death! It's the final 30 seconds of stoppage time and the long throw has come good. 
So we're going to talk about the additional centre midfielder at the end. That's the one that's up for grabs, if you like, to see who gets in the 11. Um, But let's move on for now to the striker positions. And Arthur, why don't you kick us off? So I've decided I think a workhorse is is very important this in this position. Most I, I can I considered a number of strikers who who have that height that would would be very important on this kind of day. But in the end I've decided to go for a smaller striker. And I've gone mm. for Paul I've gone for Paul Dickov. Oh, that is an interesting shout. I like it. He's he's a player who who can certainly be described as a journeyman. Um, of of Premier League and Championship clubs, similar to to Jonathan Walters, but he's he's more known for his tenacity than his mm. goal scoring exploits. I think in a so in a 2003 interview, he summarised his playing style as follows: the ability to battle is one of the main parts of my game. I know my limits. I'm not the sort of player who gets the ball and is then going to beat five or six players and stick it in the top corner. Whether I'm playing well or not, the one thing you'll get from me is 110%. Upsetting defenders and basically giving them pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he was a, a nuisance. I remember watching him play several times. Uh, another similar player to him that was sort of diminutive in stature and annoying was Paul Pesky Solido. I don't know whether you remember him. He was a of nightmare course. as well in the Football League. Um, yeah. But no, Dickov's a great shout. I love that. I think he's a player who'll never let our opposition switch off at all. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very easy to switch off when, when you know, you've got, a, you've got some, some sideways rain knocking you, knocking you over almost. And, and, and I think the conditions could get the better of a number of, of our opposition players. But I can't see Paul Dickov getting affected by it at all. No, I 100% agree with you. And I actually like the sort of dynamism of this team. I think it would have been so easy for us to pick a, uh, an incredibly dull, you know, static 11 for this one. But Paul Dickov just mixes it up massively, doesn't he? I think so. And actually, Rio Ferdinand has yeah. gone on record to say that Paul Dickov is one of the biggest headaches he's had to deal with on a pitch in his career. That kind of testament from a player. <laughs> that kind of te- I'm sorry, Rio, but that is not true. That can't be true. It's a, it's 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 cited on Wikipedia. So please tell me that Wikipedia is wrong, Ben. That can't be true. Rio Ferdinand, That's of course. Ludicrous. Rio Ferdinand has played against some of the very best players of all time. But he was absolutely terrified of of Paul Dickov. I find that incredibly hard to believe. I like the way this team is coming together and I think the perfect foil for Paul Dickov and a particular target for these Rory Delap long throws into the box would be Kevin Davis. Now, a real favourite of mine, I can't tell you how happy I was when he made his England bow um, all those years ago because he'd worked so hard he was just the classic old-fashioned centre forward um, it was it was almost a bit like do you remember when Jay Bothroyd made his debut for England and there was this real sense of kind of man if he can do it maybe I can do it yeah I think it's I, too late now for the two I've of actually, us. I have to say so I've just um I've just I've just googled him and I found out that he's he was six foot which surprises me hugely. I, I sort of, mm. I had him pigeonholed as a, a, a small nippy striker. And of course he, he played for, for Southampton 
over 100 games for Southampton. And I, I, I had him down as far shorter than that. That's no, surprising. no. Kevin Davis, I, I think you're right in the sense that he really bulked up towards the end of his career. But when he was playing for Bolton, he was your sort of stereotypical, strong target man. Um, kind of bustling physical playing style he, he actually committed more fouls than any other player in the history of the Premier League um, really? which I thought was a great fact um, and, I, and I feel like it's that dirty element of his game um, that could really favour us on these wet and windy conditions um, conversely though he was also the most fouled so he was permanently getting himself into positions and, and physical tussles with defenders um, that led to set pieces. And I think that will help us massively um, in, in the conditions. I think, I think he, was, um, he was more of a goal architect than a goal scorer. If you look at his record, he didn't score a tremendous amount of goals. He was more of a nuisance. So I think if, you know, if we're coming up against the likes of Rio Ferdinand, I think Rio is going to be more preoccupied with Dickov. Um, who, who's a real headache, apparently, um, than he is with Kevin Davis. Um, but to, to get the amount of goals he did, given his supply line was Kalilu, Fadiga and Stelios Janikopoulos, I think was actually quite impressive. Uh, and he deserves that place. I would, I would argue that Stelios Janikopoulos was a quality player. I think he, he possessed an element of surprise, like a lot of that Bolton team. Um, but I don't think he was necessarily known for his cracking delivery into Davis. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And I think um, you you talk about him being a a, a supplier, and of course he had Nicholas Anelka alongside him for a, a a period of time at Bolton, and and the perfect striker to to go alongside him. So I think I think Davis and Dickov is a fearsome strike force for a wet and windy Tuesday night. Weaver scurrying about there. I don't think he had any chance for the first goal. The second goal, I thought he'd come racing off his line a little bit quick. I have to say. Well, it's not over till the final whistle, and City here looking for an opening. It's Dickoff again! So we have one more position in the 11 up for grabs. Obviously, if you've had an idea of who you think it should be, at 11 pod, that's the word, not the number. We'd really like to hear from you. Um, do send your suggestions through. It's a centre midfielder to pair with Rory Delap and Arthur. Who are you going to suggest? I didn't have to do an awful lot of research for this. I gravitated towards Thomas Graverson. Oh, of course you did. <laughs> the hard-tackling, aggressive centre midfielder. I actually, I have to say, one of my all-time favourite centre midfield partnerships in the Premier League is Graverson-Carsley. Yeah, and I mean, the lack of hair. And they just looked staggering. so, they looked so similar. And of course, one English, one Danish, just, I mean, they just yeah. the centre midfield partnership is is truly iconic. And Thomas Graveson, he's your classic ball-winning centre midfielder. He was, his task ultimately was as an enforcer. He was, he was, he was tasked with destroying the opposition's creativity and starting Everton moving forward up the pitch. And of course, he got his, he got his move 
He went to Real Madrid, which was utterly bizarre. I think Moyes was a bit bemused. I think he he suggested potentially they could have been after Lee Carsley and they got the wrong one of them. (laughs) (laughs) But he, he was... And it seems bizarre for a team of Galacticos, but he was he was employed in this enforcer role against Barcelona, tasked with nullifying the, the genius of Ronaldinho. And it worked a dream. They they won they won four two against Barcelona and Ronaldinho was just anonymous. And I think that for me shows how effective Thomas Graveson is in this position, sitting in front of the defenders, adding a bit of thrust and drive forward and of course he was incredibly aggressive and I think we want someone who will happily take a yellow card for a team when we when we need it yeah I love that shout Arthur to be fair to you um my only concern is is Thomas Gravison wasted in this 11 I mean I, I know he went on and played for Real Madrid in the Galacticos era um you know alongside the likes of Figo and Beckham and Zidane and here he is playing with Peter Ramage on a wet and windy Tuesday night. Is that his fit? The thing is he's done it at Everton. I think you can't necessarily say it's always dry in in Liverpool. So yeah, uh, I I think he's had experience of this and obviously Denmark is very cold as well. So he's, he's experienced playing in potentially harsh conditions. I think the enforcer role is absolutely vital for this team. We need someone who's who's willing to put his body on the line, commit 110% to the to the cause, and I think Thomas Graveson is your archetypal centre midfielder in that capacity. 100%, a great shout. Um, and I'm I'm looking to throw in a bit of an enforcer type character as well, actually, Arthur. Um, but I'm going to look a little bit further back in time at David Batty. Now, David Batty, um, sadly, has become known for missing one of the vital penalties in the World Cup of 98. But if you speak to anyone that played alongside David Batty, they will always say that he was one of the most effective players that they played alongside. His grit, his determination, his, his desire to win the ball back. And there have been some fantastic stories about Batty on the training grounds where he's got into scuffles with players and acted like nothing's happened and not said sorry for these these atrocious challenges that he's put in. I also like the fact that David Batty is your kind of, he's almost like your, your stereotypical, not very technically gifted English midfielder that maybe if he was born 10 years later, would be held up in the same regard as the likes of Kante or another player to name Fernandinho. But because of the nature of football back then, he was seen as this kind of bully boy, really, that, that was overlooked by many when it came to the top, top echelons. Um, and I just think he'd be a great foil to Rory Delap in the midfield. Maybe not with the height of, of the likes of, of Davis and Delap and, and obviously Pogatets when he goes forward for corners. But I do think he'd break up the play efficiently alongside them. I think that's a really good shout. He's, he's, really, he's known for being an anchor, really, for the, for the midfield. And he would sit in front of the back four and really perform a role where he wouldn't be in the limelight at all. I, I like these players that... that their job just doesn't get noticed 
unless they're not in the team and you feel their absence more than you feel their presence in a sense. I think this is an incredibly tough selection, to be honest with you, Arthur. Um, my, concern, I I... My, my concern with Gravison is that he's just too good for us. But I think the same could have been said about Batty had he have been 10 years older. I think Batty's, I think Batty's the best shout in this situation. He's, he's a player who we would miss so much if he wasn't in this team. And I think he's, he's tailor-made for a, a wet and windy night. He's the efficient, functional, no-nonsense. I think he's got to be in the team. Great. Well, it's decided. So it's that time of the week where we introduce the bench, which was players who we certainly considered, but we just couldn't quite make room for in this 11. Ben, do you have any particular names that spring to mind? Oh, several. Um, I I was trying to edge Keith Southern into that position. (laughs) The ex-Blackball centre midfielder, I felt he could do a job. Paul Robinson, the ex-Birmingham left back, um, he nearly made it. Uh, I was I was interested to see if Craig Fagan could make his way into the side as well <laughs> from an, an unattractive Hull side back in the day. Um, obviously, I wasn't on centre-halves, but two that sprung to mind there. Ryan Nelson of Blackburn and Jody Craddock of Wolves. Both very, very good shouts. I, another one that I considered was Thomas Repka of yes, West Ham yes. but I, I thought in Pogatets we had our aggression in the centre of defence and we didn't necessarily need Repka alongside him and then on in centre midfield Papa Boobidiop was another mm, one um, the wardrobe who was, was six foot five centre midfield powerhouse who I couldn't couldn't help but feel would be a massive threat at these set pieces for sure and and in terms of whipping the ball into the box Jonathan Greening as a, yes. a right midfield, I thought would be a very, very good option on the right of midfield. And finally, I thought Dean Windass up front was a, a reliable, bulky frame of a, a, a player, an agricultural football player, I would say. Of Who's, course. And then he went on to be a super masters football player. <laughs> that iconic series. <laughs> he actually scored the goal that got Hull up into the Premier League, didn't he, Dean Windass? He certainly could have been a contender for our Worldies eleven with that goal alone. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, unfortunately, they just missed out. But here is the 11, the wet and windy Tuesday night 11. In goal, we had Gabor Kirai with his joggers on. Left back, Lee Naylor. Then the centre-backs, Ryan Shawcross and Emmanuel Pogatetz. Then at right back, Peter Ramage. <laughs> Across the midfield, we had Yuri Jorkaev, David Batty, Rory Delap and Jonathan Walters and playing up front Paul Dickov and Kevin Davis I desperately want to see this team in action now I think we might need to set up some sort of FIFA career mode in order to yeah. uh, enact it <laughs> <laughs> I mean would you buy a season ticket to watch this lot I think if they're grinding out 1-0 victories then you know what, what's the problem true I guess so But that's all for us this time. We'll join you next time to discuss another 11. Goodbye.